It's May 15, 2019, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, uh, Ame Masutomi is, uh, he's an, un- well, she is here. She's a entrepreneur, inventor, tells us, uh, she's going to tell us about the Ecoponics a startup uh, that she just started. And then we also have Susan Yamada, and uh, she's here to tell us about the UH Innovation Hub and the progress that uh, the Atherton YMCA renovations are taking. First, I want to just tell you about a couple things happening in town on Friday, May 17th. Purple Maya, the Haumana students are going to be showcasing their project work over at Halau uh, Inana, and that's going to be from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. That's, uh, again, this Friday. And then, of course, uh, next up is Mana Up and... Uh, Millie James is going to host a Native Hawaiian female founders panel, and that's going to happen on Tuesday, May 21st from 5 to 8 p.m. over at Halau Inana also. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to mention is that the Entrepreneur's Sandbox has their open house this week, and that's happening at 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day this week. And next week, Wednesday, on the 22nd, They'll be doing Wetware Wednesday, and that's going to feature the collaborative robots. And that's going to happen 4.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. And, of course, uh, I will post all the links on the show notes later on tonight. So now I want to welcome Ame Masatomi, uh, who's here to tell us about a startup she just uh, launched called Ecoponics. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Bert. Um- it's Arakaki, not Masatome, and please don't worry about the hishi thing. I'm a trans woman. It's okay. But how come I always see you listed as Masatome? <laughs> Is that am I mistaken? Am I looking at the wrong place? Or what's you know why the connection with that name? Okay, so that's my mom's maiden name, and I use it online only as an alternative ID. So my Email my Gmail is that, but that's not okay. Not so my okay, so last I was name. I was duped into thinking that, that <laughs> no, was your... I, everybody makes that mistake. Okay, okay, just, okay. Sorry about that. Well, I'm going to continue to call you uh, Masutomi. <laughs> that's so, fine. Because, okay. I'm Masutomi. Okay. <laughs> now I have known you because I have seen some of your projects with uh, Purple Maya, and mm. you've always been kind of involved with this intersection between egg and tech. Mm. And and when I when I first saw your project, it was Kind of a, um, uh, it was an aquaponics project, right? Mm-hmm, correct. So tell me about your interest in this intersection between ag and tech. Okay, so um, in Japan, they turned the terminology called agpreneur. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's Maru from Libanes, uh turned that. And that's kind of what we do. So we see the intersection of high tech, so robotics, analysis, artificial intelligence, enhancing the way that we grow food. Not just plants, but also proteins, livestock, other things, and how those can inform on upon each other. And that's something that you've been, you've always been interested. I know you're you're a mechanical engineer, and so mm-hmm. it's 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 something that you feel that uh, from a, uh, I guess from a technical standpoint, it's right. something that could advance our ability to grow food. Yeah. So originally, I got started in the project because my dad wanted to have koi fish in the backyard, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I didn't want him paying three to five thousand dollars for a filter. So I wanted to find a more natural alternative. And then I worked with a professor from the. Um, she's tied to the ISS, and so 
eating and feeding in space, waste product in space, how do you handle all of that? Got mm-hmm. me working on a system that's enclosed and able to remediate waste materials and use it as a nutrient source to grow new food products. Oh, cool. Okay, so then I saw a new idea that you presented mm. and ecoponics. Now, ecoponics... Mm-hmm. I will probably let you describe what it is that you've created with these sort of growing environments. Uh, that's that's a good way to describe it. So we have we've done research for nearly a decade on this. Identify twenty two different organisms, both plant and animal, that we use in our system in order to take waste food products, either generated by the system or by people. Usually, we throw away twenty six to forty three percent of what we consume or what we buy to mm-hmm. consume, and um. We just we just started turning into a way of producing food. So the system that you saw, which was a flat panel system that grows crops vertically, mm-hmm. it doesn't care where it gets its nutrients from. It can be liquid nutrients like hydroponics, which are synthetic or natural, but most times synthetic, and it's usually very cheap to get. But Ecoponics is a company based upon using an ecosystem to grow food. So we have organisms that will you know, remediate and put out nitrates. Mm-hmm. Uh, they eat food, they eat other organisms, put out nitrates, phosphates, potassium, and that gets to the plants. The plants take it out of the solution, cleaning the water for the animals that put it in there. And so it's a recycling closed system. So the I know there's a, a fair amount of plants mm. inside the system. Mm-hmm. Are there animals that also are part of this ecosystem? It can be, and we do have both uh, microscopic and macroscopic organisms. So we have big things like fish, crabs, shrimps. Mm -hmm. We use snails, a lot of mollusca in our systems to do some uh, stepping from plant to animal. So they do a lot of remediation, and they become a food source for another animal within our system as well. So what is the current state of ecoponics? So the current state that we're at, so we just won um, the grand prize at the Island Innovation Oh, and, and yeah, Day. congratulations, because I, I, I did want to bring that up. Sorry, maybe I brought that up too early. <laughs> but um, we, got, we got asked to compete, and um, we qualified through the semifinals. I worked with Nobu of NECX. Mm-hmm. Um, really great mentorship on our presentation. He wanted us to have more of a technological than a more of a business uh, competition type of format. So we did that. And um, it seems, it turns out that our animation about how the panels can convert within a cubic space mm-hmm. more com- more uh, economically and efficiently than a shelving system could be used in the same cubic space. Yeah, when I saw that uh, animation that you you showed at Island Innovation, I mm. thought that was pretty novel. <laughs> and in fact, in fact, I think that was what That's impressed what a lot of people. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it was the only presentation I've ever done where the entire room just went, <gasps> or, oh, or, wow, or, you know, and it was like, I was like really taken aback in the moment. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I, I felt the same way, and I thought, wow, that's great. So, and then you did get recognized. Mm. Uh, you got an award. You got some money. What, yes. what was the money? What did it help you do? 
So what, what the money is helping us to do, we're trying to produce the very first prototype. So we have smaller prototypes, mm-hmm. but we want to produce a full-size prototype. And we're trying to collaborate with companies like Metrogirl and Kari Kakazu um, to get those systems in their operations. Because in Japan, which, you know, they're a technologically forward country, mm-hmm. they have actual plant factories there in Japan that grow crops indoors already and have been for almost a decade. And these companies, they can turn out, like uh, Mirai Inc. in mm-hmm. Japan, uh, they can turn out 10,000 heads of lettuce a day. And their capacity is just astounding for what they can do. But doing an analysis mathematically, as I showed in the presentation, they're limited by their physical capacity. They're on shelves. So Mm -hmm. they only can, you know, it requires two feet of space per shelving area, maybe one and a half at its best. So you're limited by how much you can grow. Well, you know, I know we can probably talk more about this. And I I, I would love to have you back on and and get (laughs) get into some more detail. But where can people find out more information about Ecoponics? Uh, If you go to EcoponicX, so that's Ecoponic and and X at the end, Uh dot com. We have our information posted on the web. And you better email me your actual <laughs> last name that you want me to post <laughs> on the we'll web. Will do. Will do. Thank so you thanks, Ami, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Susan, Yama- Susan Yamada, Director of UH Ventures. And we'll talk about the Innovation Hub over at the Atherton U. This is Atherton Y. <laughs> this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. I really like Hawaii Public Radio. I listen to both stations because I feel enriched every time I listen, and I feel like it's never a waste of time. There's always something useful. Uh, Sometimes I'll find that when the reception is going out, when I'm on the North Shore, I'll turn on the side of the road and stop driving and just listen because the program is so useful. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us is Susan Yamada, Director of UH Ventures and in charge of the creation of the Innovation Hub or maybe also known as the Innovation Center. Previously, uh, Susan was the Director of the Pacific Asian Center for Entrepreneurship over at UH Manoj Scheidler School of Business. Welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Hey, you got the intro right. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, we're having fun today and, you know, anything goes on this show. <laughs> so maybe I'll start off with something like, so Susan, I know you were with Pace and you did a great job with the whole program. And I thought, wow, this is like a great career. What got you to consider transitioning from that to UH Ventures? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, so I'd been with Pace for eight years. Mm-hmm. We had uh, successfully concluded a capital campaign where we had raised $3 million. We moved into a new co-working space that had been uh, completely redone. Uh, Wait, wait, okay. So back up. So Pace raised $3 million. You moved into a co-working space. In Scheidler. In the Scheidler College. Okay. and then, But was that space previously designated or nope. designated it, as it, a? it was a club room and oh. an underutilized space frankly mm-hmm. and so uh, Vance Rowley the dean of the business school allowed us to take that space and create a co-working space so it's about uh, 1300 square feet 
altogether. And so our new PACE offices were in there. We have mostly all of our major programs are now sponsored or were sponsored at that point. And, you know, I'm, I'm more of a startup person, so it's kind of surprised me that I was at PACE for eight years. Um, but you know, it just took that long. Mm-hmm. And so I just felt it was a good time to leave. You know, you always like to leave when the uh, car is tuned up and the tank is full. And so I thought it was a good time to go do something else. And so we found a new executive director, Peter Rowan, mm-hmm. who's doing a fantastic job. And frankly, I was just going to teach or travel, just kind of go into the next phase of my life. And then Atherton happened, and I was made aware that the UH Foundation had purchased the Atherton YMCA, and um, one of the ideas for that space was to turn it into an innovation hub or innovation center. So I couldn't ride off into the sunset just yet. Oh, so, (laughs) I mean, you're actually thinking of, like, retiring and traveling and enjoying life, and now this challenge of taking the Atherton uh, YMCA, which was acquired, and, and turn, turn it into this I- innovation space. Now, when the concept for this innovation space started to percolate, uh, what, what are some of the ideas that, that have, have uh, maybe gelled into something that you're now aiming toward? So what's going to be very different about this space is it's going to be a live, learn, work space. So we want anywhere from two to 300 beds. Mm-hmm. We want 10,000 square feet of incubation co-working space, another 7,000 square feet of office space. So it's all going to be in one, it's going to be one-stop shop for innovation and entrepreneurship. So what we're looking at is really um, trying to solve a problem that has always been with us from the pace days is how do you identify students who are interested in innovation and entrepreneurship Usually when they discover us or we discover them, they're juniors, seniors, kind of like Ame. Mm-hmm. And we don't have much time to work with them. But now with, with this uh, innovation, uh, the living part, the dorm part, we can select from very early when they're freshmen coming in who is interested in innovation entrepreneurship. They need to apply to take a bed. So we can select. We can select by gender. We can select by uh, discipline that they're studying. And, you know, we always feel that the best teams always are interdisciplinary, where you have engineers with business people, lawyers, uh, tropical ag with, with engineering. That's where we feel the best ideas come from, because all these students are looking at the problem from a different perspective. So we'll be able to create all that super exciting for us. Well, so that's interesting because I did recall reading somewhere that uh, the purchase of Atherton Y was to help generate or, or make available more kind of dorm space. Correct. And and to weave into the uh, the narrative uh, and and innovation space as well. Um, how I'm now kind of curious. How would you actually select people who are maybe freshmen? They're coming in and they're they're looking for a dorm space. But is there a criteria upon which you now will decide? Okay, so you're you're sort of leaning toward this innovation uh, interest. How are you going to? Put that out there so that you can actually make a selection. So it's not going to be, you know, unlike other dorms where they're engineering dorms or honors dorms, et cetera. They're going to have to apply. They're going to have to tell us why they will make this Mm. environment 
more fruitful? Mm -hmm. You know, how are they contributing? What have they done in the past? When you were in high school, have you started a company? Have you invented something? Do you have a patent? Have you worked for a startup? Have you always wanted to work for a startup? Is that what your goal is at the end of uh, of Mm -hmm. your college Mm -hmm. life? And so they'll have to apply and we'll go through all the the applications and pick the 300 that we feel will make the best community. Is there a model that you're kind of basing this design around or have other schools now that you mentioned, you know, like a engineering dorm, I uh, in my in the olden days when I did go to college, uh you know, I do recall that there were some of the like it's almost like a frat, right? I mean, and, and they can specialize in a certain kind of discipline. Correct. Are there other models? So they're beginning to emerge, but the cool thing is when we do this, it's going to be one of the few that are available in the nation, mm-hmm, really. Mm-hmm. University of Utah, MIT, they have similar concepts where they have the, the live, learn, work environment. And I visited, I've actually stayed at the University of Utah's Lasanne Studios for a week, and I've talked to students. And, um, you know, a lot of the students, interestingly, were from Salt Lake City. And I said, why do you want to stay in Salt Lake City? Don't you want to go elsewhere? And their response was really interesting. They said, we got into other universities, but why should I go anywhere else when everything I want is right here? And so it's another thing that I'm trying to look at is how do we encourage students to stay home mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. not go away and be able to fulfill that dream here? And if we can have this this uh, center right on university, it's a beacon in my mind that the university is serious about innovation, entrepreneurship, that they have created this state-of-the-art um, center. Will, will, the, will the center be under a particular uh, department or school? Is it part of the, the biz school? Or is it – how do you create – an interdisciplinary environment that has cross-pollination with, let's say, engineering or the, the social, social sciences or, uh, you know, let's say, physics, whatever, astronomy. I mean, how do you build that in one kind of uh, uh, building facility? So the actual programs themselves are going to be run by PACE. So PACE is going to run all the programs. We won't have competing programs going on at business school as well as this innovation center. Uh, As far as the selection of the students, that's all going to be done by PACE. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. The actual building itself is going to be owned by UH Foundation. Okay, okay. Now, I I do want to kind of catch up with... uh, like where things are at, because when I first heard about this, it's probably a, about oh, maybe a couple of years ago. So I want to give you give you a chance to kind of get us up to speed as to where the I don't know renovations, the 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 you know the raising of money, uh, where is that all at? So we want to hold that thought. We'll be right back at this short break to continue our conversation with Susan Yamada, and we're talking about the innovation hub over at the University of Hawaii. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, Haleakala Waldorf School, and Honolulu Waldorf School. 
Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lam, and if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Susan Yamada. She's the director of UH Ventures and tasked with creating the Innovation Center over at the Atherton Y. And, of course, right before the break, we we're kind of talking about what the vision is for this what, live, live, learn, and work environment. Very good. I am curious because, you know, it's been a couple of years, and what are some of the things that you're trying to – are you trying to just raise money? Are you trying to get the departments to work together? I mean, what's really uh, occupying your time before actually launching? So you're right. It has been a couple years since we first came up with the idea. Uh, like any startups, we went down a 1.0 version of the idea. It didn't pan out. It didn't pan out financially. So we went back to the, the drawing board. We worked on another model. Well, how, how did you determine that it didn't, didn't pan out financially? Uh, expenses were greater than revenues. So the you actually, you renovation actually... was way more expensive than we thought it was going to be. Oh, okay. Okay, so... If renovations for what you had in in mind for version 1.0 was too much, how did you change that, pare that down, you know, modify? So the original idea was to keep the Charles Atherton building and renovate it. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. 2.0 version is we're going to keep the facade of the Atherton building, the front part that's facing university. That's the idea right now because we need to use the whole uh the whole property. It's mm-hmm. about an acre there. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing we're looking at is a, pu- a public-private partnership. So at the end of last year, there were three companies, three developers who gave us proposals. And so we've honed it down to one proposal now that we're going to begin negotiating with them. So that was the other thing. It's If we can do it on the contractor's dime, if you will, then UH doesn't have to come up with thirty, forty, fifty million dollars. So if uh, if it's done on a contractor's um, dime, what is their business model to recover that that sort of investment? So what we're looking at right now is that the uh, contractor, the developer, will issue bonds, and they're they're uh, tax free bonds that are available out in the open market. Mm-hmm. So they will issue the bonds. The cash flow from the um, innovation center will create enough um, cash mm-hmm. flow to pay the bonds oh, to okay. settle the bonds. Now, so when you said that uh, the facade is going to be kept, so in, originally you wanted to renovate the building. We wanted to renovate the whole building, but that was very expensive. So, does that mean now that you would perhaps what tear it down or well, we want break to keep the walls the, down or we want to keep the um, you know, the university-facing side and even the Metcalf-facing side of the Charles Atherton building. We feel it's iconic. We Mm -hmm. feel it's part of the neighborhood. It's been there for almost 100 years. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like a historical building, Correct, correct. It's not historic, but it has been there, and we want to respect that. Um, So we've had these architects come up with these great ideas about how can we keep that facade as well as building out you know, a larger uh, structure, Mm -hmm. but still respecting the fact that here we are 100 years in the past coming to now. How do we blend the past and the future together? Mm -hmm. And is it, uh, uh, I guess, where would the cost savings come when when, uh, foregoing sort of the renovation path and now doing something new? Is it it easier to 
break things down and build it anew, or what's you know where's yeah, the cost I think, coming I from? I think for and it's my understanding that that it would be easier to work on the back half without trying to renovate it is to rebuild it okay. and bring everything up to code. Um, you know, it's an 85-year-old building. Right. So if we can bring things up to code, we can make it safer, more um, more friendly for the students, mm-hmm. then that's what we'd like to do. And, and where is that process uh, today? So we have selected a developer. Um, we're going to be negotiating with that developer as far as what we want things to look like, what the financial model that's going to be acceptable to both of us. We expect that to take another year. At the same time, we have to get permits. We have to pull permits for the um, for the construction, mm-hmm. and then probably another two years to construct. So what we're hoping, in best-case scenario, is by 2022 the construction will be done and sometime that fall or in 2023. Wow, so this is actually a pretty lengthy process. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of this, if you've already sort of selected a, the developer, but you still have to kind of negotiate the, the financial business model, uh, what does that entail? I mean, how, how do you, I mean, if you already selected somebody, aren't they kind of on the hook to do something? At, no, I, I mean, we've selected someone that we feel comfortable working with mm-hmm. or that we would like to work with. We like their ideas. Um, we like their model, the, the initial model that they presented. But their initial model was just based off of RFP. Mm-hmm. So the next step now is to to start revising what it is that they have submitted see if it pencils out financially, and once we're, we're both happy with the uh, result, then that will be what we'd construct. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess over the course of time between now and, let's say, 2022, I mean, you, you've, you've got a couple, three years. Uh, is there anything else that, that is pushing the innovation needle at, uh, at UH? Uh, we have a number of different things that are going on. You know, we had talked about the iLab earlier. You know, Pace is, is always mm-hmm. uh, moving forward with different things. Uh, there's talk about um, part of Sinclair's renovation, including something to do with innovation and entrepreneurship. You know, I think at the at the end of the day, Bert, it's all about trying to get students to be more um, more creative, have more critical thinking skills. You know, it's it's all the entrepreneurial skills that you use, that you learn, they're all 21st century success skills. Um, just because we don't know what the future is going to look like. Mm-hmm. We're trying to teach kids uh, for for jobs that don't even exist today, right? Using technology that hasn't been invented uh, to solve problems. We don't even know our problems yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we need to teach them these soft skills, if you will. EQ skills is what I like to characterize them at. You know, you have the IQ skills. It's maybe one-third of what you need to be successful in the 21st century. The other two-thirds is going to be these collaborative, communicative, and, and critical thinking I guess, skills. I guess part, I mean, and that's, that's good to hear. Part of my question also was that it seemed like the Innovation Center was kind of the the beacon that would be the, the light that everybody is drawn to. But in lieu of that happening, until not until, you know, 2022, uh, is there something that is sort of in place now that people can look to as being 
sort of the center of innovation at, at the university? I mean, uh, obviously, my feeling is that's PACE. Okay, okay. So PACE, PACE will continue to, to move forward, continue to develop new programs, comp- continue to serve the university community as well as the broader uh, local community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we'll just do it at a, in a grander scale once we move now, to I, I, I know I know that you're working feverishly <laughs> to, to move the, the Atherton Y, you know, along its timeline. Uh where can you know? Are you are is there a place where people can sort of keep track of the activity? Because everybody's been asking me, "Hey, Bert, do you know what's going on over at UH and the Atherton Y?" And that's why I had you on. But I mean, where can people find out? You know how things are going? Yeah, I think we're we're almost ready to present. So breaking news here uh, on Bite Marks, but um, we're almost ready. I think to have a more public uh, announcement. Now well, that we've when you, selected our developer. When you do, please let me know, and I will definitely push it out in my, on my channel. All right, you got it. Well, Susan Yamada is the director of UH Ventures, and she's launching the Innovation Center over at the Atherton Y uh, at the University of Hawaii at Mano. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Bert. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about Ilani's data-gathering catamaran. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at BiteMarks at gmail.com. Or you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. Our engineer is David Chong, and you can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.